It's time. Make it simple. Make it clean. To talk candidly. I want to go back to the, the mouse gazelle. Are you ready? Gather data from the people. Live from Arlington, Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs, babies, and great big Scandinavian reindeer, welcome to Candidly, a Blackstone Federal podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Elder, and with me as always on the ones and twos making this all possible is Nick Hansen. Before we get started today, here's a reminder to describe, subscribe and rate us on all your favorite audio aggregators out there, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can also check out the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel, Blackstone Federal. And don't forget to hit us up on Twitter. Our handle is at BTG Federal. Tell us whether you love it or hate it or send us a question and we will debate it. Without further ado, we are wrapping up 2019 with today's episode. And let me introduce today's guest, the Ozzie Smith of Organizational Scaling, Mr. Chris Drew. <laughs> Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Pat. Well, uh, it's really great to have you here. And uh, just before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the folks out there what you do here. Sure. Uh, Chris Drew, Senior Director of Delivery here at Blackstone Federal. Uh, most of my work is associated, probably 80% of my job is associated with running the customer delivery, our teams, our product teams, uh, making sure our customers are happy. And then I also have oversight of operational um, activities internally. So helping to prioritize those and making sure we're, we're uh, making progress on those objectives. Awesome. Awesome. And that's, uh, that's really just going to lead us right into today's topic, which is organizational scaling. Uh, and so, you know, this is something that we had talked about. We thought would be a good thing for you to bring some insight on. And sure. I think, you know, I uh, want to introduce the topic and level set a bit about what we mean by that. But I also think that um, even though we're talking about organizational scaling here, there is, there is a lot of this stuff that will apply at a, on a project and a personal level as well. Um, so let's just jump right into it. What, what do we mean by organizational scaling here? So, um, I mean, I think scaling in general is how do you stay healthy? Uh, and that's personal, um, family, right? If you have one kid to two kids to three kids, my personal situation, how do you stay healthy and grow in a healthy manner? Um, stay on top of things, make sure you're not dropping the ball, uh, and continue on an upward trajectory. Organizationally, I think that means how are you continuing your revenue and profits going up? Um, how do you keep hitting your objectives? How are you growing in a way that allows you um, to sustain that growth over time versus big peaks, big valleys, um, sustainable, right? And so if it's a, you know, a federal customer um, in an organization that is trying to scale in their services and, and people-based, it's how are their people happy, how do they continue to hit their goals, um, and how do they add value to whatever it is that they're trying to do. For us, that means keeping our customers happy and growing our business. Um, for others, you know, even um, if you think of Shark Tank, for example, a lot of those are product-based companies. They're trying to scale. They're looking for additional investment uh, to keep their growth steady and um, progressing forward. So I think, again, like you said, organizational is one thing, but we can apply it to any number of things team-wise team of three? How do you go to five? How do you continue to grow and keep it healthy? Um, continue to make sure that you're delivering at a high pace. If you're high performing, how do you continue to be high performing? Um, so really a lot of different topics we can cover here. Yeah, um. for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think, you know, you touched on it there. And, and one of the things that I think we probably is a good thing to do at the level set point is to talk about uh, organizationally, what is your mission? What is your thing that you do? Yeah. You know, and that seems to be something that's really central to a lot of the research that I did on this topic. Uh, tell me what, what you think about how the mission plays into all that. Yeah. So I think the number one uh, decision that you have to come up with is what is your mission? What is your vision? What are you trying to accomplish, right? If, you, if you're if you scattered, 
if you're there's a there's a concept actually I've got a book in front of me um, called Scaling Up, which uh, here at Blackstone a lot of our leaders uh, review and have. There's a concept of the mouse, right? A lot of companies are are mice and they're scattered and they're moving around quickly and they're very nimble, but at some point you have to sort of focus. And the next phase in this book is the gazelle, right? Still fast, faster now, accelerating, but definitely more uh, deliberate mm-hmm. in direction, uh, less changes. And so I think a big aspect of scaling any situation is what is the mission? What is the vision? What are you trying to accomplish? Make sure everybody's on the same page and communicating effectively about that. And if you don't have it, it's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, yeah but I, agree. I, I will say, you know, and we'll talk about this probably more, but if you're if you're a team of one, you know maybe don't spend weeks and weeks coming up with your mission and your vision. Just make sure you understand <laughs> right. what direction you're going with. Make some critical decisions and move out. Right, that's different than if you're a, an organization of five hundred thousand. Yeah, I really like that um, that animal analogy because I think then when you get to like the giant companies, you, you've got to be like an elephant or something. Mm-hmm. Right, and, right. That's uh, actually the next one. Oh, so it? it's mouse, <laughs> it's mouse, gazelle. And an elephant, okay. and you want to not be an elephant because it means you're slow, right? And you're now at a point where your processes are probably too heavy, and uh, you can't really make change of direction as okay. quick as you want to. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well then, that's pretty good. Never even read that book. Oh <laughs> <laughs> boy. Um, so yeah, uh, before we before we jump into the, the next thing, I, I did want to get a little bit more of uh, your experience with scaling because I thought that it wasn't just at Blackstone. Um, you know, you mentioned that you do some coaching and you've, you've worked with some of our partners who are in various, uh, you know, stages of the growth cycle. Um, just can you give us a little uh, sure. there? Well, you know, I was at Booz Allen before I was at Blackstone. And so that was an organization that was very large. And I got to see, um, you know, it operates in little business units. So you get to see business units grow. You get to see other um, aspects of the business grow. You get to see, I mean, all the big companies seem to reorganize every other year, right? And there's a reason for that because they're trying to reorganize so that they can scale and they can continue to become effective. So that was that was some, um, or continue to be effective, I should say. That was some of my experience. And then since being at Blackstone, not only have we grown a significant amount and I've been part of all of that, but like you said, uh, a lot of coaching and interaction with small businesses because we use a lot of small businesses. So I've seen these small businesses go from one person to 25 people, um, and worked with them to make sure that they are able to scale and just sort of sounding boards, right? Every organization is at different levels, and therefore it can, it can be good to sort of have those conversations and hash out what Blackstone went through, what I've seen at other big companies, and then how, that can, how we can coach those small companies through those scaling pains and organizational changes. Uh, and then customers, too, right, from starting up, or helping to start up uh, new organizations within the federal government that uh, sort of broke off, you know, that piece and how they can scale up their organization or uh, larger larger groups that have been around for a long time but nor, sort of need to reset mm-hmm. and make sure that they are healthy and growing in the right way. Um, so, you know, the most exciting one I think for me is talking to these small companies that they might be the the mice, right, where they, they have one or two visionaries, um, and they are very, very effective, right? And they're, they are, they're making a lot of progress. They are having some fun. They're making some money. Uh, their customers are happy and they love them. But how do you go from 1 to 2 to 10 to 15? Um, and those are really, really challenging problems, but yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, as you were going through the different 
different parts of the growth cycle. I mean, obviously they all have their own unique challenges associated with them. It's not, there's no silver bullet that works for every single one, you know, just hearing you run through a couple of examples there. So that's, that's an awesome way to, to get us started here. And I think uh, that leads us into what we wanted to talk about first, which is, which are some of the indicators that may, um, give you a hint that it's time to think about scaling, you know, so something has changed. Is it, I've got more employees, I've got more business. Um, what are, what are the things that are indicators that you may need to start putting some planning or thought into scaling? Yep. Yep. So firefighting, have you heard that? And I don't mean actual fires here, but, um, you're always behind. You're only able to react to things that are popping up. You're never really proactive. You're not thinking ahead. You're not thinking strategically. Um, you're handling the issues that come up day to day and maybe you're barely handling them. Right. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're a larger bit of a larger organization, you'll maybe you'll see a lot of people working a lot of extra Mm -hmm. burning out, uh, some of your best ones, a lot of hero syndrome. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. Uh, that I definitely see. What do you mean by that hero syndrome? Just, you know, you're, you're relying on people that are heroes that are going above and beyond constantly stretching themselves thin. They have a wealth of knowledge. The other concept from Phoenix Project is the Brent, mm-hmm. someone that has been around for a long time. They have a lot of industry or organizational knowledge, and they're able to fix things. But it also prevents you from having others being able to fix things. And so if you have a lot of heroes, you know, you're sort of hanging on by a thread. And what happens if that person wins the lottery, mm-hmm. right? Um and the other thing is your results aren't predictable or they're going down maybe, right? You're, you're not adding as much value as you could be. Your quality is going down, um, or maybe it's even leveled off and you were seeing it go up over time, those types of things. You mentioned um, about reacting to things, and this is something that you would, you would notice um, as a downturn. Um, are there things that can be done to make that a proactive process, or, or do you generally find that this is a reactive thing, at least – Maybe this sounds more like the the small, the small business growth angle. I uh, think it, I think it goes back to your point on mission and vision. Mm-hmm. If you're reacting, and you're only addressing the things that are coming at you instead of thinking about what are our main goals, what are our main objecti- objectives, what is the mission, why do we exist? Mm-hmm. And if you have that north star, then you know it's easier to get everybody back on the same page and sort of move in the same direction to think more proactively and start addressing a little bit longer term items. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things, back to your initial point of the mission and vision. And maybe we're getting into corrections and uh, how you can sort of fix it. But I do think when you find yourself in a firefighting mode and you're only addressing things that are coming at you, they may not be things that align with your strategy. Right. That's, okay, that's a, that's a good way to put that. And I, I do want to pull the thread a bit on something else that you said there, which was saying um, when you have that mission, everybody is able to be proactive. Uh, some of the things that I was reading talked about um, a clearly defined group of leadership that would be defining that and maybe doing the types of things operationally, internally, that yeah. would make uh, scaling happen. When you say everybody, do you feel like that's something that is truly organizationally wide? Do you think that that's an everybody like the leadership team? Like where where does that distinction happen for you? I think it should be everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's very hard because communications are challenging, and as the organization gets larger, uh, the communication channels, which is a big concept of PMI, it gets more and more complicated. As you add more people, uh, there's more channels for communication. It's harder to get keep everybody on the same page. But I will say it starts with leadership, and then it should be broadcast to everyone else, right? Okay. If you have um, goals, and they should be probably simple and only a few because as you start to get – 
higher in complexity and you start to make it more challenging, it's going to be less understood and it'll be harder to keep everybody on the same page. So it doesn't matter what type of organization it is. Uh, could even be back to, <laughs> I'm talking about my family, I guess it's the holidays, you know. Um, <laughs> but if it's a goal, you want to buy a house, make it simple, make it clean, um, and make sure everybody's on the same page, you know. So it could be, again, back to you personally, uh, could be your team. You want to release a new capability by the end of 2020. Uh, that's one goal. And there can be small uh modifications to that goal along the way, but at least it's still, again, your North Star. Mm -hmm. So back to your question around leadership and throughout the organization, I think you obviously define those at the leadership level, your mission, your vision, and then you break it down into goals and objectives. Keep it simple, maybe three, maybe four, and then publish those to your entire group, uh, company, uh, family, whatever it is, and so everyone can align to those and make sure it's, again, clean and simple. Yeah, it's, I think that's really helpful, and I, I think that that guidance, that direction is really key um, for really in, doing anything in the organization, but it definitely comes into play for scaling. And and so, uh, you know, with that, I want to then jump into, okay, so we've identified that we need to scale operations mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. What do we do? So, you know, uh, the idea of assessing where we are, understanding who we are, where we are, and, and maybe that will then indicate where we need to go. So what kind of assessments do you think or have you seen that have been effective? Um, you know, I think there's a couple there's a couple tools that you can use. Um, sorry, I got a phone call. Uh, there's a couple tools you can use. Uh, there's the, you know, we've used health assessments with, within our own leadership team, which essentially is a... 10 questions and everybody, uh, you agree up front, sort of team rules, everyone's going to be honest, no one's going to get upset by any results, mm -hmm. but you're asking the entire leadership team a set of questions and everybody has to respond real time, mm -hmm. right? And you even can hold up a one, two, or a three is one, we agree, two, we don't, or two, um, you know, not applicable or don't want to answer, right. three is disagree. Uh, so there are certain things that you can do to sort of assess where you are and make sure everybody's aligned on your vision, everyone understands your goals, for example, everyone thinks you have the right tools, uh, resources to do the job. If not, you need to start making some trade-offs, right? So that's one, one sort of thing I think you can assess is actually talk to the people in charge or talk to the employees and see if how is everyone feeling. So things like net promoter scores uh, can be very helpful because if your employees aren't, aren't happy and they're not motivated, then you're probably not scaling effectively, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing is results. Are your results actually, are, are, you, are you growing? Look at the real data, you know? If you're trying to grow and if you have growth in mind, is your number of employees going up? Is it going down? Um, is your revenue going up? Is your profit going up? Is it going down? Um, if you are Again, you know, sort of in the federal space or in, in that industry, is your value going up? Are your customers happy? Are your and if you're, you know, if we're supporting an organization and they are supporting other customers, are their customers happy? Right? right? Are the end users happy? Are there any ways that you can sort of assess that and make sure that they're continuing to be happy and continuing to grow the services that we support? So there's a lot of different ways that you can do assessments and see if you can create data that will create a baseline or get data data and gather data that will create a baseline uh, that then you can measure over time to see if you're actually improving or not. And when you when you talk about that stuff, you talked about growth and things going up. Um, are there cases where the 
uh, not all of those arrows are necessarily pointing up. And, and how does that impact the assessment of what you need to do to scale? I think it's, what are you measuring, right? If you, let's say, let's say you um, don't want to increase in size, but your quality of delivery is a little low. Maybe you have a, a quality score that you're able to give that is customer satisfaction, for example, and you're measuring it monthly. And then your indicator can be, is my customer satisfaction going up? And that's still growth, right? You're still scaling. You're still becoming better. Even if the number of employees is not growing, um, you know, you don't have anything on the revenue or, or any other side that's changing, but your customer satisfaction is going up. Um, or your quality of product, right? If you're in a product, um, you, you know, less defects, for example. And I still, think, yeah, I'm good. No, that's, that, I think it's still growth. So, I mean, I think that kind of bleeds into the idea of, you know, scaling and process improvement, you know, is, is one a subset of the other? Is it a Venn diagram? You know, what's, what's your opinion there? Yes. Um, so there's a, there's an interesting model that I like that I learned about a few years ago that I, I think about a lot and we talk about it sometimes at Blackstone, but it's, uh, Les McCown's, uh, predictable success. And, Essentially, along his model of scaling is you want to get, you know, let's say that there's a mountain and you're, you're climbing up one mountain as you grow and you get to the, the top. That is the pinnacle of uh, predictable success. How do you not prevent yourself from going down the other end and how do you make sure you're staying at, the, at this top? And what he talks about, back to your point of processes, I'll get there a little bit. Um, <laughs> he talks about uh, this cycle of, you know, new companies, projects, whatever it is, going through phases. So early struggle, getting to a fun area where you now um, have success. Then at some point, getting to a point where what he calls whitewater, mm -hmm. which is now there's churn, mm -hmm. but it can be good churn. Um, and that's kind of going up this way uh, mm -hmm. vertically. And then you have predictable success on the top. And on the back end of it, it's treadmill, which is you're kind of just moving and going through the motions, um, getting in the rut. And then the death rattle is the last one, which is you can't really recover from that, right? <laughs> right. Just, um, so back to your point around processes, why I really like his model is because it talks about different types of people that you might need in your organization. Mm -hmm. It talks about your visionary, which is someone who has that goal, who understands the mission, the vision, maybe created it, mm -hmm. right, for that organization. Um, but over time, that visionary really needs to add other tools and resources, and one is an operator. So visionaries can be very creative, can really understand where they're going, where the market's going, where the customers are going. And then they really need someone that can be that operator who can, you know, get things done, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about getting things done right. for the operator. They can get things done quickly, uh, repeatably. They're the ones that sort of move the ball to the right. Um, as you're progressing and progressing, you know, Les says at some point you need a processor. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, when you get large enough, it's not just about what is our mission, what is our vision. It's not just about can we get things done. It's actually now can we do it in a repeatable fashion right. and high quality every single time. And that's where your processor comes in. Mm -hmm. Now, back to your original question, I think you can process too early mm -hmm. or add process where it's not needed. Right. And, you know, that is where I feel you always have to constantly battle. Are you, do you need to add more process? Are you at a point where you need to add process? Or is that going to put you in a rut because now you're following process instead of following your gut 
following your mission, being nimble enough to actually meet the needs of your customers. Right, and I think uh, that that's a great point, and and I like the um, that anecdote, the the way that you tied in the, the mountain, because to me. <clears throat> One of the questions that I have is when you're in this assessment phase and you, you start to figure out, you know, where you are, who you are, that kind of thing. Once you come out of that, is there prescriptive action? Like, do you know, okay, I'm at 25 employees, my revenue is X, Y, Z, I should be doing these three things. Or is this something that you have to innovate and develop on the fly um, because you want to have your own unique solution? I don't know that there's one good answer. Uh, I think it really depends upon the type of organization, uh, if it's a project versus if it's a company versus if it's a service versus, you know, if it's a product. I mean, it really really is going to depend. I do think you always need to assess and you always need to have some metrics that you can um, see if you're actually improving. Right. So, and when when you talk about metrics, because um, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more later. Yep. But you know, when you're at the assessment phase, presumably, let's say you're doing this the first time. I mean, this is, clearly sounds like an iterative process. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. But the first time you do this, do you know the best way to measure things? You know, or are you taking your best guess? I think you take your best guess, but you also you want your metrics to be around what the action and the outcome that you desire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, go back to a family, simple. Uh, humanistic way to look at it. If you're trying to buy a house, you need to be saving money. Is the money in your bank account going up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be your biggest indicator. Right. Um, if you are in the customer services business, are your customers happy? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your goal is to um, get your product out there and it's based on people pressing buy, then your customers need to be satisfied. And there need to be positive reviews, and it needs that needs to be your number one focus. But right. it isn't always monetary. I think is what no, I was getting no, at. No, no, no. Um, I, I can imagine a, d- a bunch of different spaces where the the monetary piece may not be a, a real metric until right. you're a much more mature organization. Right. You know, focus so. on a development team, mm-hmm. right? It's they may never see dollars ever, right. but how do they know if they're if they're scaling? Are they getting out more deployments? Are they reducing errors in their deployments? Right? Are they reducing defects? Um, those types of things. But that, that, is, that is scaling. Right? Can they add more applications? Can they deploy features faster? Um, may, you may, you know, back to the Iron Triangle, and I, I mentioned PMI earlier, but the Iron Triangle PMI, which is scope, time, um, cost. Right? Are you getting things out faster uh, with the same number of people? Are you uh, reducing costs with the same number of people and the same time to deployment? Or are you able to deploy more, which is more scope, with the same right. timelines and the same number of people? And that's really scaling, right? I mean, that, yep. at the end of the day, that's yep. what it is. And so, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that, that really ties that up well. And, you know, so we, we get to this point, we've, we've done assessments, we've talked a, a little bit about this, but I want to dive in a little bit more about what are, what are transformative actions. So now that we know we need to scale and we know that there are some things that we need to do, we, we have an idea of what we're measuring and what our goal is. What kinds of transformative actions are out there? What are some that you've had particularly good experience with or bad experience with? Sure. I think this all comes down to a trade-off again. Um, there's only so many things you can do right? And if you are in a situation where you know you need to scale and you're healthy, and let's say you have the financial ability to do so, maybe it is adding a processor, right? So that you can now repeat 
and uh, do it with a larger group of people and make sure that the underlying processes exist so that they can be followed and you can run more autonomously instead of relying on the hero, right? right? Or relying on one operator who just always seems to get things through the door and out the door. Um, so that would be one way, but that's only, let's say you have the money to do so. Right. If you don't, maybe it's saying no, mm -hmm. right? And it's being more deliberate about your mission and vision and the things that you're doing and saying no to certain aspects or reducing your scope to make sure that you have a higher quality um, and are able to repeat over and over and over again because you can't afford to bring another person on to help you scale. Right. Uh, so that would be another way to do it. Uh, it goes back to that mission vision, I think, and if you're aligned and you have an, a goal and an objective and you sort of know which way you're going and which direction you're headed, then you can make those tough trade-offs and make sure that those are, are going to be effective and then start measuring against them. Yeah, and I think that's that's great. And I want to go back to the, the mouse gazelle sure. um, analogy here because I often wonder, like, how this stuff is implemented. Um, sometimes as a worker bee in an organization, it just seems like, okay, we're doing this thing now. Mm -hmm. uh, is it always <laughs> just a snap thing? Like, you like to think your organization is agile enough to just, okay, we're going to do right. things this way now. Right. But is it always like that? You know, how much planning goes into how, how a, pers a, a certain kind of action is going to be executed? A lot, usually. Uh, but again, I will say, if you're two people, don't spend weeks and weeks coming up with a strategy. Right. Create a quick strategy and then try to measure against it very quick because you can be nimble and you can be agile. If you're a large organization, you may have to consider more dependencies and you may have to go through an actual strategic planning um, session or multiple sessions or a strategic planning quarter, right? Where you're really focused on what are the core things we need to improve on? What is that mission vision? How do we break that down based on the different business units we have or different parts of the organization? You know, for a, for a mid-level firm like us, I'd say we're somewhere in the middle, right? We're doing constant checks to see how healthy we are from a leadership team, also from some of our key indicators that I mentioned earlier. And then we are looking, whether you're doing it quarterly or yearly, what are our goals for the next year? So what are our goals for 2020? We already have our goals set for 2020. And then how do we align everyone to those goals? And we have a, we have a few, just a few, right? Three to four. Um, and I've seen that within other organizations. Make sure they're simple. There's just a few. And then then how do you communicate it effectively? So like you said, your employees don't think someone just threw something up against a wall <laughs> or they thought this was done, you know, this is three years in the making right. and we're just releasing this grand vision of uh, three goals for 2020, for example. Right. And for an organization, you know, we'll use this mid-size example. Um, you, you've laid out your goals. Do the, do the actions uh, transformation type actions, do they usually happen in step with that? Or is this something we've set the goals and three months in, we may realize we need to do a transformative action to get there? I think it's all about what are your, what's your cadence for measurement? So you may send one of, one of the customers that I had a few years ago said something that I constantly talk about with uh, our project managers and folks within our, our company, which is Think strategically, but act locally, mm -hmm. meaning you may have goals at the end of 2020, but what are we doing today to make small little bits of incremental improvement against those goals? And then how, what's our cadence for measuring those? So, you know, one year is not that long, but it's fairly long in terms of business and how many things can change. Right. So 
set something in 2020 and then find a cadence, whether that's a weekly check-in and talk about those goals as major um, action items or meeting uh, notes that you're saying, how are we doing against our three goals, or set a cadence for a longer monthly, perhaps, where you're spending a few hours really getting into the nuts and bolts of it and looking at the data that you have to measure against those goals. I would say, you know, commonly, I'll see, let's say, a year goal with uh, monthly or quarterly check-ins and to make sure you're really assessing against those. But the more frequent, the better. And the more simple the goals are and easier to measure, the more successful you'll probably be in being able to do those checkpoints and actually being able to take corrective or transformative actions against them. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way of thinking about it. And maybe it's just a, a ratio kind of thing where it's a you know, 10 to 1 kind of deal where it's once a month or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah. And if you can do it, I mean, if you can do it weekly, do it weekly. Right? If you're If you're a team and you have uh, a goal for a release at the end of the quarter, this is make it part of your sprint, right? What's our goal at the end of this quarter? How do these features all bubble up to that one goal? And then where are we every single week against that? Right. You know, are we, are we ahead of the game, behind it? Uh, do we have to make any major changes? Do we need to bring someone else on because we're short on our functional area or testing, right? Or do we need to bring another developer on because our processes are really smooth and we're getting deployments out, we just have more volume of code to be developed, for example. So I think you can you can make transformative actions, back to your initial question, um, midway Mm -hmm. or on the way. Um, But it's really going to depend on on sort of your assessment at that time. And I like how you started talking about resources because that that is the next thing that I wanted to get into is, you know, who are the who are the roles or resources that should be involved in developing the action plan? So obviously this has a lot to do with the scale of the organization itself. Right. Uh, The two man company does not need to break that up necessarily. But um, as you start to, to grow, is it, you know, what does the leadership team look like that we've talked about? You know, is there an operator? Is there a processor in there? Is yeah. it just the C levels? You know, what are the, you know, and, and how does that change, I guess, based on scale? Yep. Yep. So I think that comes down to what type of business you are and what does your organization look like? And there's a number of different types, right? There's your functional um, business. There is your process-based business. Uh, your, your, your matrixed organization. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways you can sort of organize yourself to make sure that you are able to scale and take on more as you grow. Mm-hmm. So uh, process-based might be if you're talking product, you're talking sales, then to um, order fulfillment, and then to um, operations. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are sort of your like different process based left to right. But if you're matrixed, you may have business units vertically and then you may have capabilities horizontally. Um, And I think that kind of gets down to it in what's your size, uh, what type of organization are you, product services, uh, the like. And then how is your organization structured Mm -hmm. to support that growth? So you may need to bolster your operational team. Right. You your back end may need more processes, um, may need new tooling, and you may need to invest in that operational arm to make sure you're standing up those aspects. Uh, or your sales team may need, uh, you may need to bolster your sales team because everything is high quality and everything's being done, but you don't have enough coming in on the pipe. Um, so 
So in developing that plan that and that group of people that are getting together to do that, are they looking at, okay, we've assessed and the action is we need more process, so let's go get that. Um, you know, does that group, I guess that group evolves as the organization evolves, but, yep. you know, um, you know, smaller, maybe mid-mouse, not quite gazelle mm-hmm. types, you know. You Rats, may, maybe? Yes. I don't know. Like <laughs> no, no, yeah. that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the same image. Yeah, yeah. House, we'll go with house cat or something. Yeah, like house cat, sure, <laughs> sure. You know, that <clears throat> that group that's developing the, the action plan may be, you know, one to three people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, that's not necessarily the entire organization, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you've probably got your visionary in there. You've got some level of operation, right? Yep, um, yep. You know, just and I think you can also gather gather data from the people that are supporting the organization, right? I mean, there's no reason why you can't gather ideas from those within the organization, whether that be on one-on-ones and check-ins with high performers, um, whether that be uh, people that are just very interested in this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it just be a survey, mm-hmm. how can we improve, right? Simple things, net promoter score, are you happy? How can we improve? You may get some good ideas, and you may get a pulse of your organization and understand if you're big enough, right? If you're five people, just sit everybody down right. <laughs> and maybe ask for some feedback and then take the feedback into account. But if you're, if you're very, very large, there might be ways to gather the, the data so that you're not doing it in a vacuum. I guess that's kind of what you're getting at. You yeah. don't want to do it in a vacuum. Uh, but at the same time, you know the business, you know those mission, the vision, and the goals and your key indicators that others may not really be aware of, right? If it is the revenue or if it is profit or if it is customer satisfaction across at the highest level. Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's, you know, obviously this this concept of, yes, we want everybody's input, but there's also the, well, when we get to a certain size, it's too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, we don't need everybody, you know, putting hours upon hours into this plan. Um, So that's, yeah, I'm just curious about the different ways that that gets structured. but with that, I think the other thing that I wanted to get into, and, and you had brought this up when we were talking earlier, was were different kinds of frameworks that you could use to try to put these transformative actions into place. Uh, not necessarily is something that you need when you're a two-man company, but when you start to hit some of those higher milestones of, of employees and revenue and customers, you know, when do you start to pull those things in? And, you know, do you, do you buy in full set? Do you pull some pieces out that you think you can use? Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts there? I think it's always a tailored approach. Uh, as long as you have folks that are dedicated and interested in truly making that change and they're all on the same page, then it, it is tailoring and it's all about getting everything out on the table and making the decision that's best for the organization. So make sure you're well-read and you research or bring in someone that knows um, if you, if you don't, but, you know, for us, I know specifically everybody reading sa- the same book, coming in, talking about the same type of concerns, um, things we can be doing better, making a couple, like I said, simple goals and then visualizing those. So we have the big board where you're actually, everyone can go and see what those goals are and they can actually see progress against them. Um, you know, don't do it in a vacuum, but I, I think applying frameworks, um, it, you know, you need to tailor any framework. You can go read every book and you can try to follow a playbook, but it's never going to meet exactly where you are, what your size is. Uh, this is a people business. Even product is a people business because people are running the businesses. So you always have to be able to tailor it and, uh, and experiment, right? If you're not sure, try something uh, and then assess against it. 
right? Is the data actually improving? And that's that's the big thing. So uh, yeah, so we've 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 touched on this a lot throughout the conversation, and I think what we really want to start to, to button up here is is the measurement piece. You know, how do we know what we did worked, and how do you identify the things that you're measuring? You talked a little bit about trying to keep this simple. Um, you talked about <clears throat> revenue, uh, just the size of the organization itself, um, customer satisfaction. What are, what are some of the other things that you can measure um, as you as you're trying to see if your actions are working? So I'll go back to project team, sprint velocity. I mean, these are basic things, um, number of releases, number of features. That's, that's at the team level. Uh, at the organization level, I think it, it all is what are those goals? So like you said, maybe it's a net promoter score. Maybe it's a customer satisfaction score. Maybe it is, um, you know, revenue. Maybe it's um, overall size of the team, for example. Like, I mean, you really covered them. I think those are the big ones that, and it's, it's because some of the best measurements are the simple ones. And if you start adding, uh, not to exceed this, but then make sure it's under this threshold, or if there's four different areas and it's very complex to measure against, um, there may be ways to game it. There may be ways to manipulate that. And the more complex it is, the harder it is for you to follow and for you to gauge if it's actually being successful. Um, so I think that that's, that is the, be the best way. Back to the family, are you saving more money to get that house? Very right. simple. Yeah, and I, I do think that there's, it, it does tend to get complex because uh, I think gaming is a real thing when you have metrics like this, particularly if they're always the same. Uh, you know, and, and some of the things, particularly when I look at uh, mission statements for organizations, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to tease out a simple way to measure that. Um, it's, I'm taking a shortcut to say we want to do X, Y, Z. So we want our customer rating to be good. Yeah. And in our attempt to get that metric where we want it to be, did we actually achieve the mission? Yeah. You know, sometimes that's a thing that, so, you know, how confident are you that a measurement is telling you what you think it is? And, and is there any example yeah. that comes to mind there? Uh, I would say, you know, the more complex, and the harder it is to gather the data, the more opportunity for it to, you'd have issues with the data, right? And so, um, you know, we really want our employees to grow. How do you, how do you gauge if someone's growing? Right. Everybody sees growth. Back to our point, you know, you have to tailor it. Everybody's different. Your organizations are all different. Everyone's going to have their own measures and metrics. So some people think they're growing when they're doing more challenging problems. Versus some people think they're growing when they get more certifications. And those are two very different things. Right. So and that first one is an example of something that's got to be very difficult to measure. Yes. You know, uh, and I would also think organizationally, you do not want to have something that's difficult to gather information on as the metric of your organization. I mean, then you're making work about work yep. hard. You yep. Know? So, yep. Yep. And uh, we do, I mean, we do that all the time where, um, you know, we really try to simplify the measurement because. If you are creating measures and metrics that need additional resources simply to gather that data, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> um, then you're have it's a different scaling problem. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> now you're spending more, or not you're not able to accomplish the value added aspects of the business or service or organization because you're spending so much time measuring right. what it is that you're trying to accomplish.
Yeah, I think that that's just a, that's just a difficult thing to, to get right. You know, you talked about this idea of a metric that's not too hot and not too cold, but that is certainly a sweet spot of its own of a, the not too complex matrix. Yeah, or, <laughs> yes, <you know. laughs> yes, yes. And it, go, it goes back to the, the mountain, right? You want to find yourself teetering between the two right. or at the top, which is impossible to be, but always teetering. You know, if you add too much process and you're all of a sudden saying we want 10 different metrics that we want to measure and we want to have you know, all of it automated, but none of your data sources exist right now, yeah. you're going to spend two years trying to get the data to actually measure against what, you, what you're trying to get. Right. And, you know, as we know, in this business, things change so quickly that by the time you've stood that up, it may not be relevant anymore, you know. So uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge. So, you know, that, that measurement piece is so, you know, key to everything that we've talked about. It's one of those things that's also yeah. not always straightforward to get right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's why I think you always have to remind yourself to keep it as simple as possible. And what data do you have that is either available already or low-hanging fruit in terms of being able to put a small amount of effort and a high amount of get a high amount of value out of it? Yeah, that's, so I think that's good advice. I mean, I think that's a good way to go. And um, you know, as we as we start to get to a point where we've talked about the entire process, soup to nuts of these indicators, assessment, actions, measurement. Um, when I take a look at this. Uh, entire process, this entire iterative thing, holistically, um, you know, broad strokes from your experience. Like, what are the things that work the best, don't work well? If there's something that you know that you experienced that just this was a real just cluster, it didn't work out at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what didn't work out. I would say the biggest thing is by trying to spread yourself too thin. And by trying to do too many things, and that, hopefully that's not a cop-out answer because we just talked about metrics and trying to do too many metrics. But I'd say it goes back to mission and vision. If it's too broad, mm-hmm. uh, if you are trying to conquer the world in one big chunk, it's going to be nearly impossible to do. You can't go if you're a size if you're a two-person company or a five-person company. You can't go make these big, big, big strategic decisions and then go hire five people because you'll You'll crush yourself financially, for example. So I think it goes back to, and not, maybe that wasn't a specific enough example, but I'm trying not to call people out or, <laughs> or talk about anything you know, really specifically, but I have seen small firms that have sort of taken a step back, tried to create large, large strategies, and then you know, a week's time from then, something is going to change. Right. And so I would say don't take the biggest bite of the apple, take little nibbles, make sure you're making little bits of progress, think strategically, but act locally and make sure you do have those goals, but you're not biting off more than you can take at one point in time. Um, that, that's the biggest thing that I've seen is trying to do too much too fast uh, and not actually looking at healthy, sustainable growth and instead, you know, being this scattershot trying to do too much instead of sort of staying focused and narrow and incremental. And do you think that that staying focused and narrow piece applies to organizations of all sizes or does that mission focus tend to get a little wider when the organization is larger? Well, when you scale, I think you can handle it. Okay. But what are you good at? (laughs) Right. Right. And what are you good at? And what does your mission say that you want to be doing and focus on those things first? So yes, of course, if you are an organization that has hundreds of thousands of employees, right? And your services 
you may be able to offer more capabilities than a company that's 10 to 15 to 100 employees. Right. Um, but that doesn't happen overnight, and it has to be done deliberately. Um, you know, one thing that we did at Blackstone was we were serving too many customer sets, and we were, were maybe not necessarily doing the best job across those four years ago. So now we sort of focused our initiative, uh, made sure we were serving one customer set, you know, reduced the number of capabilities and made sure we were better at those capabilities. I think that that's a common thing that a lot of companies need to do or organizations need to do. Make the trade-offs, make sure you're focused, um, and then make sure you're knocking, you're knocking it out of the park on those things and measuring yourself against them before you sort of open your aperture a bit. I think that's a that's a good point, and and my question is as you're as you're talking through this is is focusing the mission to fit your organization's size is that a chicken and the egg kind of thing like what comes first like when do you know you can expand the mission or is the mission dictate until you have there's maybe not enough to do with the with the scale that you have I think there's indicators there that will tell you that meaning if you are a business and you have a mission that is a little bit broader you're going to need probably the indicators like revenue and profit. You need to be making money to be able to make those additional investments to continue to grow that way. So, you know, it, I think it is a little bit of a chicken or the egg, but you need to be healthy enough to actually make those investments to then grow to be able to accomplish that mission, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you probably want to create a strategy that's, again, if you're very small, two people, maybe make it a month out and see if you're actually tracking against that. You know, you can make one a year out, but don't say you're going to hire five people to do these things because you're going to have to go get venture capital funding or something <laughs> to make that happen. Um, so I think it's all about healthy and sustainable. And, you know, you will reach these, these points where either you have the money to do it or you have to make a trade-off to f refocus your efforts. Maybe, maybe you... Um, as part of your scale, you want to increase customer satisfaction. So you focus around that. You bring in someone um, operationally that can help you focus on uh, getting that data, uh, standing up some basic improvements to your organization to make sure that you're assessing against it. Um, you're, you're creating some things that can give you spike in customer sentiment. Um, make sure that you're addressing those things. And then you sort of refocus your effort, perhaps. Those are trade-off discussions because right. you can't hire three people to do those things all at once. Um, so again, iterative, hopefully I'm not going around your question, but <laughs> no, I mean, that, it's, you know, it's, it was, the question was purposeful, you know, it's, it, I don't think it's necessarily straightforward. And I think, um, in practice, you're going to see that vacillate, you know, just because at some point, you know, as we talked about earlier, there's a reactive nature to this kind of thing that, um, you, you're not always going to see it coming. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen some really outstanding owners of businesses, um, product owners uh, who are optimistic and who sort of look at the world as if they have some control over it, right? And those folks that can sort of think strategically but understand how the day-to-day -day changes are making impact against the bigger goals, it's just been outstanding to see how they make it happen. And it's a little bit of science and it's a little bit of, little bit of magic, and um, <laughs> there's no real black or white answer on it, right? It's it's not ones and zeros. Uh, it needs to be tailored and it needs to be iterative. And you always have to sort of look at yourself in the mirror and see if you're skewing your metrics or uh, telling a story that you want to be told or you want to tell yourself um, or if you're actually sort of looking at the data and the facts 
and trying to make daily progress on those goals. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, before we uh, before we head into holiday theme nonsense, do you have uh, <laughs> any final thoughts here or anything that you want to plug personally? Um, what do you think, Pat? Have you seen any scaling that's gone well or poorly? Uh, you know, for me, it's it's one of those things. <laughs> Put them on I, the spot here. Well, I mean. <laughs> I, Tables have turned. I know. How dare you do this in the holiday season? I was totally unprepared for this. Um, I think, you know, the thing that, that resonates for me is the personal scaling. You know, the things that I'm, I'm seeing in my own personal career where uh, the types of stuff that I've done to get to the point that I'm, I'm at right now are not going to work the same way. I've got to be able to change my way of thinking, my way of operating in order to continue to find success and continue to grow. Uh, it's not straightforward. Uh, there's no silver bullet. You know, it's the same kind of themes that we were, we were hearing in today's discussion. So it's something that I'm learning on the fly. I don't know if I have any great lessons learned other than I'm aware that it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm in assessment phase. So. Yeah, yeah. Assessment phase, maybe indicator phase. Yeah. yeah. You're, yeah. you're seeing some indicators. You know it needs to happen. Yeah. And then you got to decide, you know, trade-offs or investment or what. Yeah. Right. Venture capital. That's Venture. right. I'm all about that. Here we are. Please, uh, please send us your contact information at BTG Federal. Hashtag podcast. All right. So uh, thanks for that insight. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, so uh, because we are around the holidays, we did have a, a bit of nonsense we wanted to get into before we sign off here. So uh, okay. we have uh, three categories. I did give you this ahead of time, so you've had time uh, to think about this. Um, give me your favorite holiday uh, food or beverage. This is going to be weird because no one's going to consider this a holiday food, but my family makes uh, traditional paella. Oh, yeah? Every nice. Christmas. And That's that awesome. is something I look forward to every year. So, Fantastic. Uh, seafood paella. Yeah. Not, again, not maybe, maybe a little unique, I should say, and uh, not a traditional holiday, holiday uh, food. And then I would say drink would be champagne. Yeah. Right? It's time to celebrate, enjoy yep. each other. Excellent. Excellent. Um, for me, um, I am a steak guy, and we do steak around Christmas, so that is all I need to know. Steak is on. I'm a happy camper there. For, uh, for beverage, uh, this, is, this is more of a holiday-themed beverage, and I wouldn't say I drink it all that much, but I do serve it quite a bit. <laughs> uh, it's called a white Christmas, and it's, okay. uh, it's vanilla vodka, peppermint schnapps, and uh, white chocolate liqueur. And it's served in a martini glass with like a, a candy cane garnish, and it tastes like a candy cane. It's really, really delicious. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We might need those at the holiday party this yeah. year. Yeah, I'll uh, see if we can. <laughs> Season two. That's a kickoff. Yeah. You're serving those. Um, and so uh, next up is uh, your most memorable holiday story. This can either be one that's really funny or, or meaningful personally, but. Um... I would say, besides my, you know, when I'm my own childhood mm -hmm. and going down to see the trees, it's my own kids mm -hmm. doing that. So it's been really fun to see them evolve and now having a, you know, my oldest daughter being almost five and her to really understand what's going on has been really magical. So it just keeps getting better. Yeah. You know, the, the six months olds don't really know how to open presents and <laughs> to see to see the six month old and now the four and a half year old helping the six month old open the presents and tell them about Christmas and the holidays and, you know, saying what they're thankful for and things like that. It's been really, really awesome. That's really cool. Really cool. Uh, for me, um, I would, uh, 
I would say it was this most recent Christmas I got engaged. So, oh, um, Pat, congratulations, buddy. Yep. That's so, awesome. um, good news to end of the year here. And then, uh, last but not least, your favorite holiday special. Special? Like uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Right. Okay, so movie. Um, I would say a family favorite is a It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Although I can't always find myself to, to watch it because yeah. it's a little it's, more of a downer. Yeah. But it is. <laughs> it's a bit lengthy. It so. is a bit lengthy. Yeah. Um, People didn't have as many things to do back then. Right. So. It's very true. <laughs> but I do really enjoy that one. The end message is good. Uh, we just watched Charlie Brown Christmas, which was fun. Again, back to the kids. And that kind of gave me some good memories from when I was a kid. Yeah, for me, you? I've always been the uh, the original uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, that's just, a good one, too. I just love that one. That's a good one. Um, that's a good one. And in recent years, I've gotten into this uh, year without a Santa Claus just because the snow miser and the, the heat miser <laughs> are just two great characters. Yep. The, rest of the, the rest of the special I can take or leave, but they're, yep. they're worth it yep. for yep. me. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again for doing this, Chris. I really appreciate yeah, you taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Pat, and thanks, Nick. It's a lot of fun. Uh, big thanks to everyone involved in the podcast to make it such a success this year. I want to thank all of our guests, including you, Chris. Uh, we couldn't have done this without you taking the time and bringing the great energy and the great topics and great content. So, uh, you know, it's really made the show. And Nick, what can I say, man? Without uh, your talented contributions, this half-baked idea would still be sitting in the oven. <laughs> so, um, yep. And, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you next time on Candidly, a Blackstone Federal podcast. All views and opinions expressed by program participants on Candidly, a Blackstone Federal podcast, are their own and do not reflect the views and opinions of Blackstone Federal, its parent company and affiliates, partners or customers. Candidly, a Blackstone Federal podcast is written, directed, and produced by Nick and Patrick with music by Mad Will and support and inspiration from their talented Blackstone Federal family members and listeners like you.